And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com. It was uh, it's an interesting week from the uh, Supreme Court perspective. Uh, as uh, that might be a little bit of an understatement, as Thursday, uh, from with a six to three decision, including Roberts and Kennedy, we knew the the liberal folks on there would would love Obamacare and keep the welfare subsidies going for people that are now addicted to government. You know, we have Independence Day coming up. Maybe we should call it Dependence Day, too. huh? Should we celebrate that as a separate holiday, maybe? But uh, anyway, the subsidies were found legal. Justice Roberts did some more mental and legal gymnastics. I'm not going to beat him up too much, though. I am not an attorney, even though I have thousands of Facebook friends that apparently got their legal degree at GoogleLaw.com. But the point is, they did ignore pretty blatant aspects of it. Our buddy Gruber pointed out that the reason they wanted the state's to set up the exchanges was so they would be compelled, or to get the subsidies would be so they were compelled to set up the exchanges, which would absolve the federal government of the full brunt and cost of it. Now, only 14 or 16, it's hard to say, several states have withdrawn their exchanges already and moved them over to the federal. So it's hard to say how many exactly there are. I know Oregon and Hawaii are suffering big time. Uh, California is underfunded as well, David. Georgia did not expand Medicaid, and we did not set up an exchange, which they were saying that Georgians could lose their health care subsidies. So it's it's a mess. They've Oregon's gone. Is, is Oregon? Yeah, Oregon's definitely gone. Hawaii, we basically spent two hundred five million dollars for nothing there as well. Uh, Oregon Was that on th- Obama's house there. Or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the Oregon is gone. Uh, California is in huge uh, problems. They've got covered California, and I think it's one point two billion dollars per year there. So it's it's a mess. It'll continue to be a mess. They they gave six, gone. They gave six million people health care at the uh, at the behest of, of ruining it for hundreds of millions of others. It'll continue to be uh, a, a big issue for this next election. You still have several Republicans claiming they will repeal every single word of it. Clearly, this can't be done until Republicans have somebody in the White House. We've had another rash of presidential announcements this past week. Governor Christie jumped in today. You love Governor Christie, don't you? Isn't he your choice? (laughs) You know, funny that you mentioned that. I was just talking to one of our other hosts. You know... The Republicans are shooting themselves in the leg. And, you know, everybody that I talk to, or I say everybody, many of the people that I talk to, um, they they may say something nice about one of them, but the rest of them, you know. And, and nobody has, there's not a favorite. If there was a favorite at all, and I, if I've heard this once, I've heard it God knows how many times, well, I really like about most, probably I like Bush about the best if his name wasn't Bush. I'd, <laughs> I'd vote for him. Uh, and I've heard that over and over and over again. And uh, the Republicans, I, you know, I think there are too many people in the race. I think they're, they need to find them one stallion and climb on board. Right. 
Well, you know, that's kind of what the Democrats have been doing, although there are rumblings of Bernie Sanders, the socialist, self-described socialist from Vermont, gaining a lot of traction. He's almost tied with her in New Hampshire and uh, 10 points behind in national polls. This is actually a great thing for Republicans, and this is something that we really need to have the Democrats, and I think it's good for the Democrat Party to go ahead and try to figure out what they want to be. Bernie, San- Bernie Sanders does not have a problem with a 90% tax rate at the, at the high level. Yeah. Now, I, 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 for, for me, to even conceive that government would somehow think they are entitled to 90% of what somebody earns over a certain threshold is just shameful. But if the Democrats and the, le- and the far left... And maybe not even the far left. Maybe they're, they're, they've moved so far that they're kind of even they're, the centrists over there are pretty uh, pretty damn extreme. If they've moved that far, where ninety percent tax rates is something that they could really jump on board with, <laughs> then I'm happy to have that debate. I, yeah. I'm happy to, to to sit down and have one of our our, our governors, which I, I really am supporting. Uh, the gov- Nathan, our, our our Georgia governor actually said he was supporting all of the governors in the uh, presidential race. So he basically said no to the senators and the business people. But uh, I, I'm still with Scott Walker, although Governor Walker is not exactly uh, doing. He's still supporting Common Core somewhat, but calling it something different. Um, he did come out kind of bellicosely against the uh, the Friday Supreme Court ruling about the uh, legalization of same-sex marriage, which, you know, everybody's going to have an opinion on this, of course. My opinion is how the uh, White House is just abusing their uh, their power on this by, by decking the White House in rainbow colors. I mean, the only colors that should be draped in is red, white, and blue, and maybe red and black when the Bulldogs win. But that's... I, I, can't, I mean, it's just... Did Im- Wells get in? Did what? Did Wells get into the Democrat... And it Wells, whatever his name is. Uh, O'Malley? No, 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 no. The... Used to be senator, or is senator from Virginia or West Virginia. Oh, Jim Webb. Webb. Jim Webb. Webb. No. I always forget his name. He is not officially in yet, although he has a pretty good resume. Oh, yeah. And he's the uh, senator now up there, I believe. Yeah. Senator Jim Webb, he was uh, he's a decorated Marine. Um, he's had a pretty good track record of... Uh, of running uh, campaigns up in Virginia. He's, I guess, the second-term sem- senator now. I need to do a little more investigative research on him, but for right now, it's fun just looking at all the uh, the Republicans. I saw somebody refer to it as the clown car today, and at some point it does look ridiculous, where even though I think most of the candidates that have announced have great resumes and would make fine leaders, when you literally have 16 or 17, it makes you look kind of disorganized, don't you think? <laughs> it I makes have... you look a little schizophrenic. Now, Fox News, who will be hosting the first debate on August 6th, they've said that it's a top 10 in a national poll. Now, we'll see. But it's going to be fun, David, because we'll get to see them, ex- uh, you know, the major candidates having to spend some of their money early to get in that top 10. Because if you're able to be on the stage... And be part of that top ten. That's huge momentum for the rest of the campaign. Well, you know they. Uh, I, I get a laugh at them uh, talking wherever they might be interviewed. Uh, well, what do you think of Christie? Well, I really like the guy. You know, I really like uh, old uh, old Christie. Uh, 
but he's got his head up his ass. Uh, well, how do you feel about Rubio? Well, you know, I really like Rubio, and I think he would make a fine president, but not as good as me, so don't vote for him. And, Are you, you saying know, that we're we're trying to desire perfection? Is that is that what we got? I don't going know on if here? it's perfection or they're just you know they're all. Uh, it's making all of them look bad. Why? How do you feel about Donald Trump? Well, Donald's a nice guy, and I hope he'll uh, support me. And when I run for, as I'm running for president, and that he gives up his his run for president, you know. And uh, you could ask any one of the sixteen or twenty five or thirty that are running. How does the wind blow? Well, how would you like it to blow? And uh, that's right. what I'll give to you. You gotta, you know. They, they, we need to realize that, look, the president is not going to be perfect. The Congress is not going to be perfect. The Senate or the House is not going to be perfect. The Senate's not going to be perfect. But hopefully, if you have three, if you have the Congress or the House of Representatives, U.S. Senate, and the president, all as conservative-leaning people, common-sense folks that, that want limited government, that those three together can 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 work well and make sure that the president doesn't do anything on an authoritarian level and that Congress doesn't pass bills before we read it. And I think we need to have all three on the same side. You saw how effective, well, from our perspective, ineffective, but the Democrats, when they had all three branches in 2008, including the filibuster-proof uh, majority in the Senate when uh, Arlen Specter, the defector, went over, they were able to push several things through, which are still killing us today, Obamacare and Dodd-Frank. Well, Both yeah. of those would have never passed if Republicans had been able to put up a better fight. Well, what do you think is the most important thing of the 2016 election? Uh, you know, a, 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 as ISIS continues marching along, foreign policy is starting to take a bigger and bigger picture, and we're seeing just the abject failure of Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. I think that the Republicans are going to be able to really capitalize on that against her. Now, uh, Obamacare is clearly going to be another talking point. I do think at some point, though, people are kind of drowning it out a little bit. Um, we will have to see once the impact of it is felt this year. They've, they've just delayed it for so long, like the bad pieces of it, the bad parts, the painful parts, the individual mandates, the employer mandates. They've pushed it off for so long that I think this year they will finally have to, to pay the piper, so to speak. So we will see some more cancellations. We'll see people getting penalized by it. We'll see job cuts. We'll see higher deductibles coming in. And perhaps that can retain its spot is, uh, is a great issue for Republicans to talk about. I well, think within the last three days, four days, I would say the most important thing in the coming election has been seen in the decisions the Supreme Court has made in that whoever is elected will appoint four, a minimum of four, justices. And if they appoint four, if Hillary gets to appoint four, <laughs> we might as well hang up the rug. Game over, right? What yeah. do you think? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like Bush's appointees are doing too well. No. I mean, Roberts and Kennedy was a Reagan appointee. So I, I, frankly, I don't hold much much faith in these Supreme Court justices. Your theory about Roberts being blackmailed, I mean, perhaps that's coming to to fruition because he's just done everything. He's bent over backwards, if you will, to save 
Obamacare, and in this last decision, I think Kennedy just flipped over to give him some cover, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Kennedy's probably like, eh, who cares? You know, it's in there. The other justices love it, of course, because they are activist judges. They, the Ruth uh, Ginsburg has said that she wouldn't even rewrite. She, she would use another country's constitution if it was up to her. She'd use something from, like, South Africa. I think she named a couple of other countries. She said that our constitution is outdated, and clearly they're treating. But they had to wake her up to get her treat- to say that. <laughs> yeah. The only cool thing about her is apparently she's a wino. What, what 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 would you do? What if what if Play, what if Playboy did a Women of the Supreme Court? What how 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 popular <laughs> would that sell? So, Kagan, Sotomayor, and uh, Ginsburg. How how popular would that one be? <laughs> Zero sales. Anyway, uh, we got a great show today. We've got Bart Spieth, uh, who's going to be calling in. He's with. Um, a co-host of this awesome event at Hillsdale College. It's a Ladies for Liberty seminar and shooting camp. And after what uh, what we've seen the left do with this uh, fight against the Second Amendment again because of this uh, the, the the Charleston white devil, of course it's going to come up where they're going to try to grab people's guns once you again. Know, Obama on. has already politicized it. The left is already chomping at the bit because now they got this little racist kid. The the other little white kids that, that did these uh, spree shootings, they didn't work out as these white devil poster childs. This guy, Dylan Roof, is going to work out just fine. Let me uh, throw out one other thing to you. You mentioned it, uh, ISIS. Um, I just want to warn everybody, be ultra, ultra careful. The 4th of July, the uh, Peachtree Road Race, and um, we will take that call, and we'll be back on Greg's list right after this. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, You can rest assured, knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's Webradio.com. Coming up, we got Independence Day. Uh, 
coming up soon. It's going to be a great time to, to celebrate all the freedoms of this country. And speaking of freedoms, we are joined right now by Bart Spieth, who's uh, going to be co-hosting a, a seminar and uh, looks like just a outstanding event over at uh, Hillsdale College called the Ladies for Liberty Seminar and Shooting Camp, which... Uh, Boy, we could probably use those ladies to guard the next Draw Muhammad contest. Bart, welcome to Greg's List. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, and thank you so much for having us uh, having me on the program today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm sorry we uh, didn't work out last week, but uh, looks that's the one thing about having a recurring show. If you first you don't succeed, you try, try again. So uh, anyway, tell us about this. I've been looking at the program for it, and... Uh, You've got uh, a combination of some liberal art lectures, which in this case, liberal arts is actually a, a good thing. It's not ancient Sumerian poetry necessarily. Uh, U.S. Constitution, free market economics, and also a shooting camp, which uh, obviously we like to celebrate our ability to uh, to the right to bear arms, if you will. So, uh, tell us about the uh, the program and, and some of the dates coming up. Well, we, the program itself uh, has the lectures in the evening um, after dinner. Uh, with our Hillsdale College professors, and it gives uh, people a, uh, an introduction to, to what Hillsdale College is about, along with great topics. Um, and, and those topics do change from time to time, and we'll hit current events. Like, uh, you know, we had some uh, quite a bit going on in the Middle East last year, and so we had uh, a professor come in and speak about that. But uh, um, during the day, we spend our time uh, uh, with firearms training for the, for the ladies, uh, they'll start with a safety briefing on Monday morning, and then they spend the afternoon at the uh, uh, both the pistol and the shotgun range. <laughs> we have a lady instructor who comes in as our head instructor for pistol, you know, Sheila Hoekstras from the Kalamazoo, Michigan area, and works with another national uh, organization for our ladies' camps. Does a great job, her crew does. And then we also spend time up on the shotgun range on the clay target fields, introducing the ladies to uh, clay target shooting. Well, that's great. Now, do you do any kind of uh, uh, biathlon thing or anything like that, a little competition for the ladies as well? You know, the uh, the Hillsdale College shotgun team is always trying to uh, promote a biathlon event. Uh, we've we've uh, been able to stave that off so far. But uh, uh, the ladies get a lot of time on the range. Um, it's a, uh, They're getting good round counts down there. They're getting great one-on-one -on -one instruction. Uh, for three days straight, and uh, uh, they they walk away um, from the pistol range amazed at <laughs> how much they've been able to accomplish, um, coming in with with little or no experience. And on the shotgun range, they are always saying, you know, the pistol was great. Boy, the shotgun was fun. I never thought I could do that. So, is this uh, a, a is this a, it, is you know? this a BYOG event, or do y'all provide guns? Uh, we provide the uh, <laughs> the guns here. Both the uh, Smith and Wesson has donated uh, M and P nines and M and P twenty twos for our use for the ladies' camps uh, in the pistol range, and then we have an assortment of different shotguns that we use here to try and get something that's a uh, close fit for the ladies, so they can be um, so they can accomplish things a little quicker in the shotgun range. Yeah. Now, tell me a little bit about Hillsdale College. It's up in Michigan, and it's a uh, it's school. I guess it has about eleven hundred students. Um, it's a, a liberal arts college, but uh, it's basically uh, it, it's kind of a conservative college too, though at the same time, isn't it? It's a very conservative college. Uh, it was actually founded by a, a church group uh, back in the eighteen hundreds. But uh, while it's not affiliated with any religious organization. <coughs> 
Um, the people at Hillsdale are very conservative. And it is, uh, I think, one of the only in the country that accepts no federal or state funding whatsoever. Awesome. Um, all of that is made up from individuals that, that uh, donate to the college and provide scholarship monies and things uh, to replace that government component. And uh, so we don't have uh, a lot of the strings attached to our curriculum that uh, uh, would be there if the federal government uh, were able to put those in place. I'm liking this even more as we talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, a, uh, it's a beautiful small school in a uh, small town, rural America, south central Michigan. And um, the uh, highly qualified staff, the academic standards are high at Hillsdale. And uh, they're very selective. Um, but the students come out with a, a great education, and I, you know, people ask me what Hillsdale College students are like, and, and I say, I say this: they are they are smart. They have to be to get in. Uh, not necessarily geeky smart, but they are students that are motivated and are going someplace, and they're just good people. Um, so it's just a treat to be able to work with the students here on campus. Yeah, so you have students, and is it also um, this this event, the Ladies for Liberty, this is going to be a wider uh, age range, I can imagine, correct? Yes, the uh, Ladies for Liberty camp is, is designated for ladies 21 and older. And uh, we have, you know, really, uh, when we started the camp, we didn't realize the need that was there. In this day and age, there are so many people that have gone out and gotten their concealed carry, mm-hmm. and many of these ladies have. But they walk away from the concealed carry class thinking that, um, you know, they've learned a little bit, but a week later, a month later, they haven't spent enough time behind the gun, and now they're afraid to even pick it up because they don't remember. (laughs) So the quality time on the range with the ladies to really develop those those safety and uh, marksmanship skills really, really makes a difference. And it's the same with our student classes, too. Now, do y'all do some advocation for uh, for expanding uh, gun rights? I know here in Georgia, obviously the NRA has a big chapter, but we also have a uh, an organization here called Georgia Carry, and they are kind of the ones that do not negotiate. They do not give an inch, and they're happy with an incremental win. So uh, did, what kind of component uh, does, does the seminar have as far as, uh, you know, some activism on that side to protect our Second Amendment rights? You know, I work uh, strictly at the range here, and I really can't answer that. But I okay. can tell you that there are many uh, the students at Hillsdale are politically involved. <laughs> it just comes with the territory. And there's actually several organizations on campus that are out there uh, promoting our Second Amendment and, uh, and and working in that direction. Um, so, What kind of uh, pattern do the, uh, the participants usually walk away with? I can speak specifically, uh, I'll speak specifically for our student class. Okay. Um, and because our, our program's the same, but I work directly with the students mm-hmm. in, in Pistol. We'll have uh, majority ladies take our classes. Most of them have never shot a gun. And at the beginning of the eight weeks, they will, uh, we're just hoping they can hit the paper so we can see where they're at. <laughs> By the end of that class, most of them will have with a with a 22 uh, M&P pistol at 10 meters will be down to a group about the size of a half a dollar. Wow. And it, and uh, we have men and women in the class. Uh, just as a side note, we have a little scoring competition at the end, and guess who always wins? The women. 
I'm I'm, I'm going to guess the uh, the female Terminators. It is. <laughs> it's always been a lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and uh, I think um, the, anybody that uh, is new to uh, a shooting range or or a rifle there or a gun, they're going to be probably a little intimidated at first. You probably have to warn them a little bit about the kick. What what is usually the biggest hurdle for you to overcome? Just the the for when you're teaching a, a new student. Really, it's the safety element. Um, for us, it's, it's teaching people that our natural inclination is to put a finger on the trigger. And once we get past that, uh, the students move along quite, quite quickly um, <laughs> at any age group. Yeah. Um, but uh, when you're able to stand there with them and have that quality time on the range, the quantity time on the range, mm-hmm. you can step them through what they're seeing in, in just little steps. Okay, are you seeing... You know, are you seeing your sights? Are you seeing those sights after you take the shot? Um, where are your eyes focused at? And you just keep uh, going back and reviewing all those different components. What are you doing with your finger on the trigger? You know, or, um, so it's the it's the time on the range and that one-on-one interaction that that really makes the difference in them being able to develop those those great marksmanship skills and and great safety with the guns. Uh, all of the all of the programs that we run, whether they're student or adult. You would feel comfortable having these ladies or or men in our groups shoot alongside you at any local range. Now, do they break and clean the guns as well? Is that part of the curriculum? We do that in. Some or, of I mean, our so, I mean, I mean, I mean, the ladies ask for that in our ladies' camp. Okay. And so, if it, we have a we have the time, or we have a bad weather afternoon. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a component we always put in place there. Gotcha. Well, I know that uh, as the the former chair of a young Republican club here, we always have uh, uh, huge turnouts when we go to our ranges. In fact, my uh, studio is about a half mile from the Sandy Springs Gun Club and Range, so I feel pretty safe uh, where we are in, in this part of Georgia. So tell us, uh, you got a camp coming up in December, in September, I guess? or We what? do. Um, we've actually taken the ladies' camp and uh, converted that for the first time to a couples' camp. And that is September 13th through the 17th. Um, we, that's actually a, a day longer. Okay. And it's four couples at that camp. Uh, the extra day we are going to spend as uh, additional range time. And also we're going to take them on a uh, pheasant hunt at a local preserve. Well, And there's nothing more endangered on that than the pheasants, I can imagine. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a great experience. <laughs> and that camp is pretty full. Um, I've yeah. actually expanded the numbers so that we can take a few more couples. Is there a website or something somebody can go to or shoot you an email to get some more information on that? Because I, I, what I always say is the couple that shoots together stays together. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, two contact uh, points there. Uh, they can call me at the, at the range here at area code 517-610-2000. Or they can email me at shootingsports at hillsdale.edu. So that's shooting, so shooting sports at hillsdale.edu. Now, do you get now? One final question before we got to run here: Do you take people that just need a refresher course, or do you want brand new rookies? No. People come of all um, abilities there, okay. experience levels. And that's the nice part about the personal time we spend with each individual out there on the range is that we adapt to where they're at. And so it doesn't matter, um, really, the experience level. Um, we're, we're making that adaptation on the range and how we communicate 
and, uh, and, and techniques that we use and, and promote uh, so that uh, helping right. them to develop even further. Well, that's great. Well, anyway, Bart, I really appreciate you taking the time out to call today. I'm, I'm a new fan of uh, Hillsdale College after reading more and learning about their just say no to big government uh, ideals. And this uh, camp sounds awesome. Uh, I'll put some uh, info out for you guys to, to hopefully get some more business. Thank you for calling in today. And we'll be back with Dave McCleary, who's running for uh, State House up in the uh, Roswell area. And i uh, got a lot to discuss with him coming up on Greg's List right after the break. See you then. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's Web Radio.com. Just had a great chat with Bart Spieth running a, uh, a seminar to help folks learn how to. Uh, uh, exercise their Second Amendment rights over at Hillsdale College in Michigan. Learned a lot about Hillsdale as well, which basically does not take any state or federal money in one of the only colleges, if not the only one in the United States, that just says no to government money. Uh, we're going to circle back a little local here. We've got uh, Dave McCleary, who is a uh, longtime Republican Party activist and uh, philanthropist who's running for House District 48 here, which opened up, uh, unfortunately, with the passing of uh, Representative Harry Geisinger. It's actually um, kind of a season of special elections here in Georgia. We just had another uh, long-standing rep uh, resign yesterday, Ben Harbin, out of Augusta. So the uh, the gravy train is rolling for the political consultants of the world. But uh, right now, I wanted to welcome Dave McCleary to the show. Dave, thanks for calling in. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, uh, you know, me and you've uh, known each other for several years. Obviously, being in the uh, Fulton GOP, and then um, uh, you know some of the other uh, extracurricular activities, if you will. And uh, just wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the listeners and talk about uh, your experience and what your outlook is to uh, represent the folks in the 48th under the Gold Dome. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Uh Unfortunately, like you said earlier, that Harry passed away about two months ago, and he had actually talked to me about running for a seat uh, about eight months ago when uh, he realized he probably wasn't going to run for another term, and then obviously he got sick. Uh, and uh, his wife, Pat, has endorsed me and encouraged me to run, and I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to serve our community with the background I have uh, in service to past president of Rawls Rotary Club, uh, chairman of our Memorial Day Committee. Uh, leadership uh, position within Roswell. I was former 6th District Republican Chair and uh, State Director for Herman Cain and also Fulton County Director for uh, uh, David Perdue when he ran. So with that experience and, and leadership skills, I feel it would be a great opportunity for me to serve our community down at the Gold Dome. Yeah, well, House District 48 is basically kind of North Fulton. Is it is Roswell pretty much the uh, only city, or are there any other municipalities that are comprised in it? It's pretty much Roswell. There's two small precincts in Alpharetta okay, that sorry. are in the precinct, but it's pretty much center of Roswell. Uh, and I've been in Roswell for 25 years and uh, really have served the community for many years and just excited about that opportunity to give back to our community because it's been so good to me and uh, I feel like with my leadership skills and especially what's going on in Washington, D.C., I'm a big proponent of uh, state control. And I think, unfortunately, the federal government is trying to take over the state, and I, I believe that the state's rights are important to me. I also believe in local control to make sure that we support our cities but not impose our right or will on them from the state level as well. Right, and I know for you personally, the uh, the human trafficking issue has been something that you're heavily involved in. In fact, I sent out uh, uh, some stuff on Twitter today, and your account is almost <laughs> dedicated wholly to that. Why is the uh, human trafficking and, and the fight to end it, why is that so important to you? Well, it's about two, about three years ago or so, 2000, 2012, I was at a conference called Passion Conference for Youth, and I was a volunteer in downtown Atlanta at the Dome. There were 60,000 kids down there. And to be honest with you, I didn't think human trafficking uh, happened around us, particularly North Fulton and Roswell. 
And through that conference, I met several survivors. I met a girl named Melissa who went to Roswell High School, dropped out, and was offered a modeling job uh, and was trafficked downtown Atlanta for for two years and was finally rescued. But she came and spoke to our Rotary Club as part of a panel when I was president of our club. And and she told those stories. And after the meeting, one of our members came up and gave her a big hug. And I said, how'd you know Melissa? He said, she used to babysit my kids when she was 12. So I thought that was unacceptable. So I took this initiative to first try a district uh, in Georgia uh, to see if they would take it on, and they did. We created something called the Inhuman Trafficking Movement out of Roswell. It is now an international movement, and uh, I've been asked by Rotary National to head up as a volunteer of the Americas for that movement. And we've uh, created a, uh, we had a world summit just a couple months ago mm-hmm. with 14 countries and 32 states. And so my philosophy is when you when you see that something needs to be done, you can't just talk about it. You need to take charge and, and go after it. So that's what we've done, and we've taken this movement to the next level. And that's the type of leadership I want to try to bring to the state house. not just talk about issues, but really go after them and, and address them and, and make sure we accomplish some uh, some big goals down there. Well, and I think it's important that uh, that we try to rely on, on, on the private sector to, uh, uh, you know, to, to help support people like this. This sounds like it was a, a private sector slash charity event. Uh, I know they have passed a few measures uh, under the Gold Dome to make the uh, penalties a lot stricter for uh, for people that are engaged in human trafficking in Georgia. But uh, what, what else specifically do you think that we could be doing uh, under the Gold Dome for this? Uh, this I mean, this clearly is a huge issue. Georgia having Hartshield Airport and uh, being close proximity to Florida, which unfortunately imports a lot of um uh, there's a lot of drug smuggling and other uh illicit activities so to speak our proximity to some of these states puts us kind of in the wheelhouse of this issue so what do you think as a state that we can be doing to uh to help fight this well there's a lot of things we can do i've actually been appointed by governor deal to be on the governor's task force for human trafficking and they've asked me to be the work group chair of a one of the work groups there which deals with the demand of the issue uh, the men buying these children and so one of the things that we've been uh, addressing is stronger legislation and just to give you an example I met with the CEO of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children a few years ago and I asked him what's one thing we can do in Georgia and he said we need to pass a law that mandates foster kids be reported to the hotline because unfortunately those kids were running away mm-hmm and they were missing and no one knew it. So I came back to Harry Geisinger and John Albers and said, hey, we need to write a piece of legislation. So we worked together with the Legislative Council, wrote the legislation, had it signed into law. And then last session, I worked very closely with Renee Unterman and and John Albers and Harry on some legislation to uh, increase the penalties but also uh, help the victims with uh, support system and also, we've also passed the help work with them to pass the law to mandate the uh, 188 number to the Polaris Project out of D.C. be mandated as posted in all uh, 
hotels, strip clubs, and, and bars around uh, Georgia. Gotcha. Now, you uh, mentioned uh, Herman Cain. It looks like he had a pretty good uh, event with him over the weekend. I, was, I wasn't I was able to attend. I went to uh, the Def Leppard contest, our concert instead. So <laughs> I apologize for that, but it uh, looks like that was a great event, and obviously you'd helped uh, Herman Cain in the past. Um, is uh, what, what, what happened there, and uh, do you think he'll be able to, to give you some support from his radio show? Yeah, I think he already has begun that, and he's uh, been a, a good friend for many years. And, uh, again, I was his state director when he ran for president because uh, we pretty much believe in the same conservative values. And uh, he's going to be a help, and he's also uh, going to be doing a call for us as well in, in, coming up in the next couple of days and been very supportive along with uh, Pat Geisinger has been very supportive. And I'll tell you that we've got a lot of great support among our community here in Roswell. We're just excited about this opportunity. And, you know, I guess the best way to describe myself would be a servant leader because I think it's important to give back. Uh, and, you know, not it's not always about the powerful. It's about the people, and that's kind of what our motto is and what we're trying to do. Well, the Georgia Horse Racing Coalition and some other groups were championed by uh, Rep. Geisinger, and, uh, you know, it had a, a pretty good support. I think it was only two votes shy of um, passing the Senate this past year, and I believe I've heard you say that that's something that uh, you'd look to continue on as well, and that's uh, obviously in North Fulton, horses are a, a huge industry. They're a hobby for some and industry for others, and, uh, you know, it's a passion for a lot of folks, and I think it's something that could actually create jobs here in Georgia, too. Yeah, that's something I'm still looking into. Uh, obviously, Harry and I worked on a lot of issues. We probably didn't work as much together on the horse mm-hmm. racing issue, but that's definitely something I, I was looking into. There's some, been some research done on how much money it would actually bring, but I'm definitely something that uh, I've been talking to some folks about considering it, uh, but I haven't uh, exactly made a commitment on which way I'll go on that yet. But uh, I definitely, I know that Harry, is, he's been pushing that for, for many years it's, it's kind of interesting I paged down at the Capitol when I was 13 and Harry was in there the first time in 1972 <laughs> and uh, 73 right around that time frame and then to work with him in 2004 on his first uh, when he came back and run again is uh, pretty special he was a good man and, and we worked very closely on a lot of issues for, for many many years yeah, I guess with this special election, the uh, campaign's been uh, more of a sprint than a marathon. Uh, it was uh, something that unfortunately had to happen pretty quickly with his uh, his unfortunate passing. But uh, so, what's been the uh, the highlight of the campaign so far? I'm sure you've been doing some door knocking and some other events. Yeah, that's uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the door knocking I actually love. It's just it's fun getting out there, meeting the people, and and getting to know them and, and learn about you know part of process is learn what interests them you know the, the interesting thing about this position is, uh you had uh, judge campbell who was uh who became judge and then that's when harry ran so it's been about 32 years since this seat's been kind of challenged uh, or, or really challenged and so it's a lot of people uh, you have to explain what does a state rep do because they didn't <laughs> totally understand about the position you know they used to city council races and some other things so it's been it's been a real joy to get out and uh, knock on doors and, and meet people. Sounds like a little bit of a little bit of voter education. Are people asking you to protect their rights in D.C.? <laughs> I see that a lot. Yeah, well, <laughs> especially over the last uh, last week in the Supreme Court, we're mm-hmm. getting a lot of that. That uh, 
they're just concerned about the takeover from Washington and, and you know I'm a big proponent of states rights and and feel that local control is best whether it be at the city level or the school board level in the counties or or state level you know trying to keep it out of uh, federal government hands gotcha and that's that's definitely been a topic of discussion with what's been going on in the Supreme Court in the last week yeah it's uh it's interesting um you know unfortunately the Supreme Court those laws tend to uh, become the law of the land but it's certainly something that uh if Republicans can gain control of the White House we can we can try to dial back the uh the regulations and the draconian uh government influences from Dodd Frank and Obamacare uh Dave McCleary tell us uh where we can find you I know we can go to electdavemcleary.com and uh yeah, I'm sure you have some other uh, contact points so voters can get in touch with you Sure, they can, uh, like I say, you can go to electdavemcleary.com and it's got my contact information, or you can go to electdavemcleary at gmail.com from an email, and you can also call me at 770-480-2620 if you would like to contact me about any issues. I'd love to talk to anybody that has any uh, thoughts or concerns or just want to reach out to me and... Uh, also, I would also tell everybody there's a big event coming up in Roswell at the 4th of July at Sweet Apple Elementary School that we're going to have a big group there. So I'd love to have anybody out there for that. And the election well. is uh, Tuesday, July 14th. I'm sure early voting has already begun. So if you're in the Roswell area, get out and make it happen. Make your voice heard on July 14th. Thank you for calling in, Dave McClary. All right, thank you. And we'll see you in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we're back on Greg's List. The home of serious journalism only on America's web radio.com. As always, we appreciate you listening. It was, uh, it's pretty hard to argue the fact that it was a pretty good week for President Obama, which means it was a bad week for America. Um, I, I, I'll admit I was a little down on Tuesday, 
when 60 U.S. senators agreed to expand his power by signing over the Trade Promotion Authority. So we're going to do a little bit of a tutorial here, folks, because there's a lot of confusion, a lot of acronyms for this. But I'm going to go ahead and explain it to you as only Greg's List can. TPA, Trade Promotion Authority, that basically gives the president the right to unilaterally negotiate any treaties. And any treaties that he signs off on will come back to Congress where they have an up-down vote on it. They cannot make any amendments. Right now, TPP is the major trade deal that has been negotiated, uh, or they've been negotiating it since... 2010 or so, which, hmm, was Obama president in 2010? Okay, so this trade deal, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, was conceived in 2010. And it has all sorts of, of, of people that really want to get this thing pushed through. Basically, uh, it's a big corporatist giveaway. Obama likes it because, in theory, it'll be shifting jobs from the United States to other countries. And with the other acronym that we're going to be mentioning, which is TAA, that's a welfare program that has to go hand-in-hand with TPA, because even though TPA is supposed to create jobs, TAA is a welfare program. The acronym stands for Trade Adjustment Assistance, and that is basically money given to workers who are displaced because of all these new trade agreements. Huh. Well, that doesn't really make sense, does it, David? If TPA and TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, are supposed to create jobs, then why do we need Trade Adjustment Assistance, or TAA? That's a good question, isn't it? If it's going to create all these wonderful, high-paying jobs, then why do we need to give all these workers all these giveaways? Now, naturally, the Republicans love the TPA, the Democrats love TAA in some kind of dirty deal. They ended up getting both of them passed. It was ironic, though, that Mitch McConnell and John Boehner didn't show up for the signing ceremony yesterday, though. Hmm. Not sure why that is. You should actually see all the donations that came in from, from big money interest, David, that went to Republicans who voted yes on this thing. Ted Cruz ended up flip-flopping on it. At first, he was for it. He was for it before he was against it, or whatever the, the statement goes. But he clearly saw the writing on the wall. My whole argument this, this time was why would we expand Obama's power? If Obama was so desperate for this, and we can agree that he's been bad for America, then why would we give him this power and this victory that he gets to parade around with with another signing ceremony? my opinion, the Republicans have reverted back to the party of dumb. Giving this president a victory combined with the other two victories that they're running around touting made it a very bad week for Republicans. The only good thing I can say, David, is uh, this wrong, week, is, wrong, this week wrong. is going to get better. Wrong. Not... The door is open. Um, not for Republicans, but for American citizens. Okay. Well, you know, that's an excellent point. It was a it was a bad week. The 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 decision on uh on Friday 
on the same-sex marriage. That was a 5-4 decision with Justice Kennedy being the swing vote, if you will, on that one. And Justice Kennedy was appointed by Ronald Reagan, so uh, he wrote a very eloquent piece. The, I guess the, the comments that I've seen on social media are pretty repugnant, though. My, my advice for those that are angered by this decision is don't let your disapproval of 3% of the population make you look like a jackass to the other 97%. I get it. The White House and everybody else is, is acting like they won the uh, you know college football national championship. Everybody's switching their little profile pictures on Facebook, which to me, well, it looks like a bunch of lemmings doing it. All the, the companies that have change their little logos over to celebrate it again. It looks like uh, pandering to me. It's amazing that the left was able to turn the uh, you know the murderous shooting spree from a little racist in South Carolina into an assault on the Confederate flag, which you know it was actually the the uh, the battle flag of the Northern Virginia Army. A lot of people get that confused. But the left is telling everybody that this flag is racist, that the stars and bars is a racist flag. To me, David, that, well, that that's flag doesn't mean anything like that to me. And the left is not going to tell me what something means when it's merely a symbol. It's an inanimate object, and it can mean something completely different for different people. Now, I get it. If, if there are some black folks that look at it as a sign of oppression, then, and that's their symbolic uh, purview of it, then, then that's that's their prerogative to have. But other folks are going to look at it and say, I have relatives that died. Less than 50% of Southerners actually owned slaves. And towards the end of the war, it was the, the Sherman and company invading the South. So many Southerners were basically just defending their homes. They weren't necessarily defending slavery. They were defending their homes from being burned. And under that auspice, under under that light... Not the light of the left trying to say it's a it's a racist flag. Under that, I can see why some people would still want to fly that. I can see why people who have relatives that died would still want to have the right to not be called a bigot or some racist when they want to show part of their heritage. I, I got one last question for you. How do you feel about the fact this was on the news last night? that because of the cutbacks in particularly the Navy, that we're now looking at putting our naval officers and staff on foreign vessels. Yeah, I thought that was really awesome. I mean, did, we, did you we, hear it? Yeah, we basically are, we need 38 boats. What was the, the numbers on that? In order to fully deploy our, our Navy, we're like eight boats short. Uh, and it doesn't look like Obama's in any real big hurry to make them. Well, he's destroyed. How many <laughs> fighter groups, uh, aircraft yeah. groups? Is he uh, two or three? Groups oh, he's been he's, he, he's been doing exactly what he said he was going to do, and what Dinesh D'Souza predicted in the movie 2016 about uh, dialing back America's role as a superpower. They want to see us uh, with dwindling influence. Which I got to say, look over at Greece right now. What, uh, Greece is like that relative that comes to the wedding, and you're like, how'd you get in here, and uh, when will you leave? Because they were a terrible addition to the European Union. Uh, they owe $380 billion, and they're asking for more. They actually owe 
1.7 billion uh, euros, which the euro is almost on par with the dollar now. So what, regardless, but they owe well, they owe 1.7 of a lot, 1.7 billion, and they really have no way to pay it. The ATM machines have been limited to paying out 60 euros per withdrawal per day. How many Grecians so, work? I mean, apparently not very many, and and very few actually pay taxes. Does that so they, remind you of anything that they've been living off the the largesse of the other sixteen nations in the EU, and the EU is finally like, okay, we got to pay some back right now, David. If you loan money to a meth head, you'd have a better chance of getting paid back by him than of getting anything back from Greece. That that's how desperate these straits have gotten. Meth head, Greece, meth head. Greece, and I'd rather loan money to the method. You know, and and we wonder where America's going. I, I don't, I don't wonder. We, uh, I, I wonder why they've been so supportive of these big government initiatives. You can't have less than fifty percent working, making money, paying taxes, and supporting fifty-two, fifty-three, yep. fifty-four, and an ever-expanding welfare st- state, yes, mind sir. you, because it's not getting any smaller. Now we sound all mean when we talk about the number of people on food stamps has gone up. So I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about solutions for getting people back to work. But the fact is that the number of people dependent on government has grown every year, every year. Not just with Obama's president, but with with, with Republican presidents. So how do we fix that? How do we how do we put incentives, market based incentives, back into our economy? Because fortunately, Greece it doesn't look like it should impact us too much. At least our American banks, when we bailed them out, didn't decide to loan a bunch of money to Greece. Now Deutsche Bank and some of the other internationals surely do have some exposure over there. But right now we need to make this economy. We need to get people as busy as a Greek ATM machine, David. And we need to put in free market reforms, roll back some of these regulations, and make this country work again. Anyway, thanks for listening today. Thanks for Dave McCleary and Bart Spieth for calling in. We'll see you next week on Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio.